Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Deuteronomy chapter 2. Turn your Bibles on, boot them up, open them up, whatever you got today, but I hope you have a word to carry today. So we're going to read in in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea. As the Lord spoke to me and we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. And command the people saying, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. And they will be afraid of you. But therefore watch yourself carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not be with you. I will not give you any of their land, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money. You shall, you may eat, you may buy water with money. And that's it. Verse 7. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. Somebody say trudging. Am I talking to anybody today that can resonate with that phrase? trudging through the wilderness these 40 years say 40 four zero 40 years the lord your god has been with you but you have lacked nothing lord once again we come before you giving you permission to be in this service and to speak as you see fit and we thank you for your presence in jesus name amen somebody shout amen before you're seated thank you sarah this morning thank you worship team god bless you guys today brought the holy spirit my heart was so rejoicing allison where are you at bless my heart today y'all don't know allison's story she came about five years ago back at the other location met with my wife and i about being in the worship ministry she was so shy and so timid and so back not say backward but just so like i'm in my box and but we saw that that the lord had a calling in her life and she's up here leading a song and worship i hope y'all are grateful I'm so excited this morning. I'm about to just do bust a move like my Uncle Billy used to say. He'd be in the club one time at worship. He was over there doing the twist. And he said, Paul, if I could twist in the club, I could do the shout for Jesus, twist the shout for Jesus. I'm about to be up in here and mess with y'all's religion so bad. I, I, I just love it. I just love it because I used to be one. I used to be one. As Pastor Eddie always says, I'm not just a spokesman, but I'm also a client. When the Holy Spirit hits you for real, your life will change. It will do somersaults and do flips. I'm so excited about being in the house of the Lord because my message was already preached. The message was already preached from the prayer team. Pastor gets up talking about comfort zones. And let me just tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is here. And he, I believe, listen, I believe if you've been around the church long enough, you understand that the Lord speaks prophetically in seasons. If you're here to listen with the ears of the Spirit. And the Lord has been moving in our midst for the last several weeks. You know, we've been talking about depression, anxiety, and, and limitations. And this never intended to be a series. Pastor Ed and I, we talk and discuss the service flows and things weeks and months out. And, and uh, I remember he was saying, you know, I got this message on Elijah. We're just going to preach some standalone sermons and just let the Lord have his way. And then one, one week led to another. One week led to another. God began to speak. God began to move. And listen, I, I've been around long enough to understand when the Lord is speaking, you just need to be silent and let him do what he needs to do. I remember growing up with my father being in church. And I, you know, they tell me as the youngest, I got some grace 
and got away with a lot of stuff. But I had my fair share, Eddie. I had my fair share of, of whoopings and disciplines. I, I just learned quicker, that's all. <laughs> but I remember that you'd be cutting up in church, and I remember talking about my mama. She used to sing on Sunday nights. That was our nights for specials, and she would sing. And I remember one night that me and my cousin were cutting up so bad a couple of rows, and we thought nobody could hear us. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. We thought nobody could hear us because we were a couple of rows back. You know how kids think they can't be heard and seen. And I remember that one night my mom was singing that special, and she had to tell the sound man to stop the tape, because, and she said, brother, somebody get those two boys because they're interfering with my special i thought i was standing in front of the judgment seat of god my mind went blank i started to break out in a cold sweat i learned very quickly when mama's speaking or when daddy's speaking you don't need to be speaking and so listen i just want to pick up where we left off over the last few weeks is that okay i just want to pick up where we left off over the last few weeks and and try to surgically kind of come in and so let me encourage you, if you're dealing with, with emotional uh, struggles and mental health and things like that, visit our YouTube channel and you can watch those services uh, again and again. Boy, that's really locked in there. Did I turn it off? There we go. All right. So the Lord has been talking about getting us out of, 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 of places. This past season of our life has taken its toll on us, amen? Emotionally, physically, spiritually. It's so easy for people that aren't affected to just kind of keep going. But let me just tell you that we don't leave a man behind, amen? We don't leave a woman behind, amen? When you see somebody wounded at the side of the road, the Bible says that do not go to them and say, God bless you, go your way. He said, if you have the means to help them, you need to help them. And let me just encourage you that in this day and over the last two years, two and a half years, has affected a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And maybe it hasn't affected you like it has somebody else. And the temptation is there to just downplay what they're dealing with or, or to just act like it's not really that bad. Let me encourage you this morning that if till you've walked a mile in their shoes, you just don't know what they're dealing with and so I believe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to that to us to that over the last few weeks that not only to minister to those who are affected but also to maybe those of us that maybe weren't affected to reach out with compassion and empathy let's see last last week especially the Lord brought us out of a cave how many came out of that cave last week how many came out of Gilgal last week and and talk about all these places and now when you come out of the dark and when you emerge from being in prison that's a very pivotal point in your life because you ask yourself this question, now what? Now what? Can I tell you right now in the name of Jesus that when you, the Lord delivers you and brings you out of a trial, brings you out of a season, if you don't have a new heading, if you don't have a new direction, you're going to go right back to the old ways that just put you in that cave for all those years. My mind goes to my father story when most of you know his story in the late 90s he suffered a massive heart attack actually died went in front of the judgment seat of god had a whole experience a powerful story he was in the hospital for a few weeks when he came home i'll never forget you know i was i was uh, still the child at home and and a dietitian came to the to the house and doctor's orders and met with us around the table and i just was sitting there and and the dietitian looked at my father and said mr markham i'm here to represent your dietary needs and listen i'm just going to be very honest with you if you don't change your dietary your diet and your lifestyle pace of life you're going to have another heart attack and you won't survive the second one and he just looked at my father 
There was nothing spiritual about it. There was nothing. Uh, and the Bible said, no, he just said, if you have another one, you won't survive. So I'm going to give you dietary instructions, but it's up to you to follow them because I'm not your mama. And so if we don't have a new heading, if we don't have a new course, if we don't have a new purpose in our life, we're going to find ourselves right back in that cave in just a few short amount of time. In fact, maybe some of us have already found ourselves back in that cave or since last Sunday, but I got good news for you, brother. I got good news for you, sister. The Lord is in the place today. He's in the house today speaking newness and vision and future and life. If you listen to the word of the Lord, he's going to change your life. You see, you remember the story that Jesus healed the one blind man in a certain city, and the Bible says that he laid hands on him, and he said, are you healed? He said, I can see a little, but I see men like trees. Remember that story? How many remember that story? And then the Bible says he had to literally take that man out of the city. He had to take him out of his environment. He had to take him out of his friend group, his group chat, his Facebook circle of I don't know what. He had to take him out of that and heal him. And then when he was fully healed, he looked at him and he said, now don't go back to that city. Don't go back to that town. And I believe that's the voice of the Lord today because I believe the Lord has healed many people. I believe the Lord has delivered many people. I believe the Lord has directed many people. But now is the time for what is to come next. As a kid, I growing up, I, I loved movies. How many, how many movie lovers do we have here today? If you're at home watching us, drop in the chat if you're a movie lover. And, and I still do enjoy a good movie. Um, I enjoy the cinematography behind it. I, I am one of those nerds that watch the credits. Um, I am. I love to see, because you'll see certain people that do the sound, uh, it's called Foley effects. I almost went into that as a young adult. The people that make the sound effects of movies, you know, that's an art. Um, the, the people that do the, the cinematography, the, all the different things, I, I value the, the camera angles and the frames and the, the lighting and, and all that stuff. It's very cool. And, you know, I remember that when certain movies would come out, remember when Batman, Batman Forever came out, Batman and Robin came out, going way back in the day. I remember we were all excited. I was at my buddy Dave's house. We were playing basketball. Man, Batman Forever's coming out in a few weeks. And I just remember being in that season of life when that movie coming out that summer meant the world to you. You know, like you, you had the poster. You couldn't catch YouTube clicks. You had to watch commercials on TV and then call, hey, did you see that commercial? Oh, you, you got to turn on Channel 7 and you got to wait for the next break. I mean, there was no sending links. You know what I'm saying? So it built anticipation. And then you waited all summer for that favorite movie to come out. And somebody picked George Clooney to play Batman. I'll still never understand that. Anyway, so you watch that movie, and at the end of the movie, it's over. Somebody say, it's over. And the credits come on the screen. And that was before we had little mini-movies behind and all that stuff. So you find yourself getting depressed until sometimes you would see these three words coming on the screen. And I have them on our screen today. To be continued. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, your story is to be continued. Look at somebody else and say, your story is to be continued. I believe the Lord has spoken this to my heart for every single person in this place today. It is God's will for his church to be free. It is not his will for his church to be anemic or to be, to be weakened in the corner. It is time for the bride of Christ to arise and emerge out of the darkness to be lean and mean and ready to represent Christ in this world. Listen, let me tell you this morning, there is more to your story. 
There is more to your story. There is more to your story. My mama used to sing on Sunday nights, as I already mentioned, an old song. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us just to move away. He didn't build us up just to tear us down. I'm here to tell somebody this morning that your story is not over. That the credits may have rolled, but you've got three words at the end of your story. To be continued. In this text, Deuteronomy chapter 2, listen, they thought it was over. They thought they blew it because they were on their way and they began to rebel against God. They began to murmur and complain. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your wife. They began to murmur. They began to complain. Do you hear what I said? They began to murmur. They began to complain. And God said, all right, I'm done with you. They blew it. They were just two weeks away from their promised land. And they wandered in this wilderness for 40 years. Listen, God will outweigh all of us. How many stubborn people we got? My hand's up. My wife tells me all the time. My, I, I, I've got this part of me that just, if you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to do it anyway just to show you that I can. And now that tenacity can be a good thing. But let me tell you, when you go head to head against God, he's going to wait on you all day. You see, your kids talk big and bad until they need 20 bucks to go to the mall, don't they? I'm looking this way, right over here. I'm mean, looking at my kids. I'm just going to keep going. They blew it and they were to die. But let me tell you this morning, church, God has a release date for your sequel. God has a release date for your sequel. When you study in, in the Gospels, you see this very obscure little verse that says, And John the Baptist was kept in the wilderness until his day of revealing to the children of Israel. Can I tell you that it is in that wilderness, if you allow the Holy Spirit, he will do his best work in that wilderness. He will shape you. He will mold you. He has you in that wilderness because you're just not ready yet. For some of us, the worst thing could happen is all of our dreams come true. We'd act a fool. For some of us, we couldn't handle that promotion. We couldn't handle that, that increase, that, that whatever the case may be. And so the Lord knows that, and so he's going to keep us in that wilderness until we're ready for the time. You know, we watch those movies, and we're excited, and we see, but did you know that those actors and actresses quite often act when they have the flu, when they're sick, when they're injured? They'll be out there in the hot desert sun for hours upon hours just to get the right take, and we don't see any of that. We see the polished, finished product, and we don't realize the work that those guys are up at 4 a.m., and they film from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. for days in a row, and, 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 and we understand, you know, you'll get 20 million, you'll do that too, but I'm just trying to say that we don't see that part, but it is in those desert times, those wilderness times, that the Lord makes the masterpiece. So I just have four things I want to share with you this morning. It's going to be a little different, but I believe the Lord just told me four things to tell you. The first one is this. You have been here long enough. You have been here long enough. God has a release date set for your sequel. What is that release date? That release date is when the makers of a movie, they say we want to make a movie, but we know that we have to have a day and time in which everything is over. All the filming is over. All the post-production is over. All the movie posters are made. All the marketing is done. Everything has got to be done by this date because it is time to go live and to show the movie. The Lord told him and said, you have been here long enough. Where is here? In this case, it's a holding place as a result of their, their rebellion against the Lord. I looked up the definition in the Bible and studied what Mount Seir represents. Are you ready for this? This is what the name Mount Seir means in the Hebrew. Hairy goat demon. 
I couldn't have made that up if I tried. That sounded like a little angry 10-year-old boy made that name. You hairy demon devil, mountain. (laughs) Think about that. Hairy goat demon. Now, we also know that this is the place where Esau and his descendants landed. We know that Esau is described as hairy. We also know that in Scripture, goats stand for the flesh. They, They stand for man. You separate the sheep from the goats. And then demon, that just speaks for itself. Does that describe anybody's life that where you are right now in this place? Are you in this place? This is the place of the flesh. They were circling this mountain for 40 years. Listen, friend, God will keep us in that mountain circling for 40 years, that mountain of the flesh, where we got that attitude that's just terrible. And we wonder why there's no blessing of God in our life. We have the, the things of the world are meaning more to us than the things of God. And we wonder why there's no blessing of God in our life. We wonder why when we pray, there's nothing there. When we read, there's nothing there. And I'm not, I'm not beating up on anybody going through anything, but, but let me just tell you that there's a lot of truth in what I'm saying this morning. They've circled that mountain of the flesh. They circled that mountain of, 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 of demonic influences and things of the world. They were there long enough. But if you look at it in another direction, he says, what is here? Can I tell you that I want to talk to you something that the Lord showed me in this passage? When you spend a long time somewhere, it becomes familiar. Or we may call it a comfort zone. Pastor had already alluded to that this morning. This is one of my points this morning. He's in the comfort zone. Now listen, being at home can be very comfortable, very familiar. During the lockdown, we introverts were having the best time of our lives, weren't we? Didn't have, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come to your gathering. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't come and do that. I just, I'll sit home. How many, how many of my people out there, you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are too afraid to raise your hand. I, that's all right. But listen, it can also backfire on us. It is easy to stay because it is the familiar. Now listen what the Lord dropped into my heart. Sometimes we'll deal with bad relationships because it's familiar. Sometimes we'll be in a dead-end job for so many years. Well, I don't want to change. It's just what I know. It's what I do. We'll settle for for maybe something beneath our, our capabilities because it's just familiar. I know he treats me a certain way, but what are you going to do? I know she treats me a certain way, but, you know, I'm familiar. The story goes on and goes on. Let me tell you something. Fear will kill your faith, but familiarity can nullify its power. Look at the scripture in Hebrews 4.2. I believe we have it uh, on the board. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith to those who heard it. The passage before that tells us he was talking about the children of Israel. He's saying they heard the gospel and we heard the gospel, but it didn't do them any good because they didn't mix it with faith. Let's go to this next passage. I find this very powerful in Jesus' story. And when Jesus had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary? Is this not his, his brother James and, and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? How many know that when the Lord is trying to do something in your life, your friends and your family are like, we know you. What are you trying to come in here and tell us something? We, we know who you are. Don't we get a little familiar with our family? Joel Osteen always shared the story that he has a brother that's a doctor. And he went to, the, to his brother to get diagnosis and some treatment. And he said his brother told him something he didn't want to hear. So he said, I'm going to go find a real doctor. 
Isn't that what we do? We discount people that we're familiar with. We discount our family a lot of times. Oh, that's just dad. Oh, that's just mom, boomer. Oh, that's just somebody so out of touch. Look at his shoes. He can't even talk to me because his shoes are creased. We find the silliest things to be familiar with somebody. But look at this next scripture. Look at this next one. So they were offended at him. Who does he think he is coming in here trying to tell me about the things of God? He's half my age. I've had people tell me, brother, I forgot more of the scripture than you'll ever know. (laughs) You think church people are nice? Jesus said to them, listen, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Let me tell you, the familiarity that you place on the men and women of God is doing nothing but damaging your miracle. It's doing nothing but damaging your walk with God. It's not doing anything but but putting you in a lesser place. We do that thing with the Lord. I've heard that Jesus stuff. Oh, I've heard that Jesus is my homeboy. Listen, Jesus didn't die on the cross to be your homeboy. He is your Lord and Savior, the creator of the universe. It's time that we give him honor and respect because it will come back to us. Let me just keep going. Listen, this hits hard in the church world, especially as a church kid. Because listen, I literally have, I've been in church my entire life. I've never known life without church. And on top of that, my dad was an Assemblies of God holiness preacher. Y'all ain't been none raised in a house, only been raised in a holiness preacher's house. I've heard this Bible preached and wheezed and sang and done everything my entire life. Many church kids are right there with me. We have some fun. I almost started a podcast called The 40-Year-Old Church Kid because I could tell you some stories that you would not believe that happened in the church, especially where our church was. But this hits hard because we get tempted to be just too familiar and too casual with the things of God. Because, well, we've been there long enough. We've heard it. We've, we've seen it. It's the same old, same old. It can happen. We come to church just to see what kind of shoes Pastor Eddie's going to wear that day. We come to church just to see what song Pastor Steve's going to sing. That song again, you just did it two weeks ago. Why don't he do more of this song? Why don't he do more of that song? It's too loud. It's too quiet. It's too light. It's too dark. It's too this. It's too, it's too long. Somebody says it's too long to walk this way. You remember where we came from? <laughs> I'm not venting. I'm just trying to help some people today. But listen, it, 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 so what happens is we're standing in the place where the Holy Spirit is moving and the Holy Spirit is flowing, and we're standing there and not receiving anything from God because it's just too familiar. There's no faith mixed in. Familiarity is nullifying the work of God in your life. I know it's that same old Bible, and if you treat it that way, you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you have a mindset and your heart is broken, and understand this is the Word of God, and I know I've heard that Scripture 37 times, but if I could read it one more time, but mix it with faith, it's going to change change my life. It's going to change my marriage. It's going to change my family if I can mix it with faith. It can happen in our jobs. We show up at the first week in our uniform all pressed. We show up 20 minutes early, stand in front of the, in the boss's door. What can I do today? And then six months down the road, we're 20 minutes late every single day. Our uniform is, is wrinkled mess and, and we're complaining about everybody. Don't come on now. You know what I'm talking about. Familiarity. We get used to it. We do it in our marriages. We used to treat our spouse a certain way. And then we get married. We put a ring on it. And then all of a sudden we think it's, I can just treat him any way that I want to. Or I can just treat her any way that I want to. Listen, if you don't, if you stop pursuing your spouse, you will never get what you got married for. And it means everything encompassing. Everything in your marriage. 
Like my dad used to say, if you want your wife to, to act like a queen, stop treating her like a nag. If you want that man to act like the priest of the home, then treat him like one. Let me just help you because the familiarity, well, they had Jesus Christ in their midst. And because they were so familiar with him, he said, I couldn't even heal anybody here. I couldn't deliver hardly anybody, one or two, but I'm just going to keep on moving because let me tell you, the Lord will keep on moving from your life. Let's keep moving. In this passage, he said, not only have you been here long enough, but he said, I want you to go north. That's very specific because if you grab a map in your Bible, you will see what is north. What is due north of where they were? The promised land. Why did he have to tell them? Because you remember when you were a kid, I don't know if you all did this, but I used to do this. You go down to the basement. Remember how they used to have these poles hanging up the basement and you, you grab one and you just kind of spin like that? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Or maybe you get out in the field and you do this and you do this and just see who can do it without passing out. We didn't, that was before we had YouTube to watch. We had all kind of fun games. And you remember how you'd spin, 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 and then you'd just look forward, and the whole room is spinning, and you try to walk? Now, there is an illusion in that, because the room is spinning, the things are moving, and you're tempted to think the world is falling apart. But the problem is inside of you, because you're disoriented. The children of Israel have been walking in the desert for 40 years. They've been dealing in the flesh for 40 years. They've been in the cave for 40 years. They've been at Gilgal for 40 years. They've been dealing with things for 40 years. They forgot who they were. They forgot where they were supposed to go. And he was saying, you are to follow my voice and go north. Let me talk about following his voice, the power of following his voice. You don't see it, but around you in this building, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of radio frequencies that are all around you. You don't see it. I can bring up the dashboard of our network software, and I can see everybody's devices that are plugged into the network. I see you, brother. About 10 people just logged off, I guarantee it. Boop. I see, see all those crazy names y'all got for your phones. I can see it. I can tell if what network you're on, if you're at 2.4 or if you're at 5.0. It, 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 let me just keep going. Your device, you don't realize it, but your device is talking to that server. It is assigned to a number, and I can see that number. This microphone that I'm using works on an RF system. There is a six-digit code within this microphone, and it's called a transmitter. And over to the corner is a, a receiver rack that has a receiver with a six-digit code. And these two devices have to have the same six digits, or it will not work. What happens is that frequency, if it's not locked in, it begins to experience something called drift. Do you remember those old-fashioned radios in your dashboard that you could just turn the dial, and it would, and then we get real strong, and then we get real strong. That's the same thing. And so this microphone, if it's not in tune with that frequency, it experiences drift where the frequencies aren't working. But I will tell you what the receiver will pick up. The next best thing. The next loudest voice in the room. The next loudest thing. Listen, you don't have to be right just because you're loud. In fact, oftentimes the loudest person in the room is not right. I'm just going to keep on moving. I'm just going to keep on moving. But this is what happens. Is, it is, and so without those six digits, the two devices cannot talk. We do the same thing in our walk with God. We might have four out of six and wonder, why can't we hear from God? We are not tuned in completely, sister. We might have five out of six and we can't hear from God. You're still not completely tuned in. But what's going to happen is you're going to try to grab the next strongest thing and get on the next kind of movement you see on social media or the next kind of movement you see on TV. It may not be anchored in the word of God, but who cares? Because it's the next loudest thing and we're out of sync with the main source. 
we're told that they were going to encompass or encounter three people groups when they came out. But Jesus, the, 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 the Lord told Moses very specifically, do not be entangled with them. Do not be entangled with them. They're going to be afraid of you, but you just interact business and you keep going. This is very powerful. I was tempted to skim over that, but the Lord showed my heart, and, and I have to share this with you this morning. This is the significance of those lands. As you study those three lands and the history of those three lands, you will find out that they were, those were previously occupied by the giants. It got real quiet. If you study the word of God, it is very clear. You can follow it in Genesis that there were giants upon the land. Archaeologists have discovered some bones and things, and without sounding like some crazy person, that we understand according to Bible, these were the angels that fell from heaven and laid with the women of men, and the giant race was born. There were several of them. Many theologians believe that's where we got many of our false idols and, and worship, uh, worshipful tactics and sacrificing human lives and all that sort of thing. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail, but we understand that these, these areas had, had giants in them. But the descendants of Esau who took over were not giants. So listen, what, what we say is not the size of the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog. These dudes took down several tribes of giants. One of them was the Zimimum or whatever, how you pronounce it. They were believed to be the, the most fiercest, uh, tribe of them all where they were they were harsh tyrants to humans they would torture them and kill them they took them down so that tells me that when i look at that city i just see the smoke of destruction the smoke these were places of contention these were places of battle these were places of unrest am i am i, am I hitting a chord with anybody today these were lands that were full of of bickering lands that were full of arguing lands that were full of side taking lands that were full of fake information lands that were full of all sorts of unrest and people just wanted to be heard and not listen to somebody else these were places and and the lord told moses do not meddle with them he said, do not even go with them. Do not try to take it over. And I thought, wow, this is very, why? Here's the thing. The children of Israel often had other people join them when they were going upon their, their journey. That was a very common thing. But the Lord told them very specifically, do not mess with them. Why? Because that wasn't their home. He said, you're going to encounter these people and you're going to be tempted to try to overtake with them. Don't, because I have not given you victory. And some of us are fighting battles that God has not given us victory in certain circles and certain arenas and certain things because we're trying to come and, and come down to a certain level and try to sling mud and try to wag our fingers and point our fingers. But the Lord is saying, this is not your home. This is not your home. Let me, let me just tell you something right now. I am so glad that this is not my home. I love this country. My son serves in the, in the armed forces, the military. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of being in this country. But listen, Jesus never come to save a country. There will be no red, white, and blue flying in the throne room of glory. I don't care what anybody in YouTube tries to tell you. And I love you in Jesus' name, but these are distractions and things that the enemy has tried to come to take away that we are not citizens of this land. We are citizens of another land whose maker and whose creator is not built with human hands, but upon the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. The old song said, I'm looking for a city where the saints will never die. That's where my home is. You can have this place. I'm just trying to get everybody to go with me. God bless three of you that agree with me. I appreciate that. This is why. Because God had better for them. This was not their promised land. This is not their promised land. 
This was not their kingdom. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, there's only one banner that you will find. And it is upon the robe of one called Faithful and True. And it simply says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, period. Can't add to it, can't take it away. That's my king, amen? Let's keep going. The second, I believe the Lord wanted me to tell you this morning is that your sequel is worth watching. And in fact, if I can take it a step further, the sequel is sometimes better than the first one. How many can testify to that? We're going to look at this other passage in Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, I think we have that up here. After the death of Moses, now this is, this is at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses passes away and the children of Israel are kind of in a spot. Okay? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I have given it to Moses. Let me tell you something this morning. Listen, you cannot say hello to, your, to today until you say goodbye to yesterday. There's a quote from a Disney Pixar character we say in our house, from Edna Mode, from The Incredibles. How many of y'all know who Edna? I know these guys know who Edna, Edna Mode. What is she? She's a little designer that designs the superhero costumes. She said, I never look back, darling. It takes away from the now. We need to put that in our church business card somewhere. We never look back. Listen, the, I believe the word of the Lord is telling somebody today, it's time to try it again. It's time to try it again. Maybe you started some dietary changes this year and you stopped because you weren't seeing results or, or it became too hard to Bible. The Lord is saying it's time to try it again. Maybe it's time to try that relationship one more time. Maybe you tried to, to I don't know, a dating website or something and, and, and you just withdrawn. I believe the Lord is saying it's time to try it again. Maybe that ministry you were involved in or that business that you tried to do, the Lord is saying it's time to do it again. So many times when the first scene of our life is over, it is so tempting to just be discouraged and say, is there all there is? Matter of fact, when, when I was writing this together, I felt in my spirit right there that I'm speaking to somebody right now that you've said that this week. Is this all there is? Is this all there is? The Lord wants you to know, my child, I heard you when you said that. And to answer your question, no. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans to encourage you. Plans to enlarge you, says the Lord. Continue to follow my ways, and you will see that. I believe that with all my heart. That was from the Lord. Can I encourage you? Your future is bigger with Jesus than what you did in the past. Yes, you might have blown it. Yes, you might have messed up. The children of Israel literally shook their fist at God. And he didn't give up. Now, he had to get rid of some of them. He said, all right, some of y'all are going to fall into judgment, but the children of Israel as a whole will live on. Joshua and Caleb will live on. Let me keep going. Sometimes you just have to move out of your comfort zone. Why? Because your blessing is not found in your comfort zone. Success is not found in your comfort zone. The breakthrough is not found in your comfort zone. The promised land is not found in your comfort zone. I know getting out of your comfort zone makes you uneasy. Good, that's where the Lord can move. When you get out of the way, he can move when you're there. When you start pressing into the things of God, it's going to cost you something. When you start leaning in to grow in your faith, it's going to cost you something. We need to learn to say no to certain things. We even got to learn to say no to certain people. Maybe certain standards in our life need to change. I don't know what the case is. 
But listen, we had much loss during COVID. We did. We lost people. We lost family members. We lost church members. We lost our health. We lost, we had, we, we lost some things in our emotional health. Some of us are still even dealing with, with, with um, physical aftermaths and symptoms and things. Long COVID, they call it. Some of us are here dealing with that, with that sort of thing. Maybe we lost our finances. Maybe your building went belly up. Maybe your business, I don't know. But I hear the voice of the Lord saying, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. Maybe you had an offense that happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and every time something doesn't go right in your life, you want to point the finger back to something that happened 20-something years ago. The word of the Lord is telling you, let it go. Because you cannot embrace your future if you're still holding on to the past. You just can't do it. You have to let one go. And let me tell you, God is not a God of the past. God is a God of the present and a God of the future. What did Paul say? He said, I press toward, I press toward the things of God, forgetting those things that are behind me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. In the, the word of the Lord came to Joshua and said, Joshua, it's time to wipe those tears from your eyes. Moses, your servant, is dead. Yes, acknowledge that. Mourn for that. Weep for that. But there comes a time when the Lord wants to turn a chapter in your life. And it says, wipe the tears from your eyes. Wipe the discouragement from your eyes. Wipe the depression from your eyes so you can see what I have for you. Because it's bigger. It's better. It's more stronger. It's prettier than what you used to have, says the Lord. You all making me work today. The next one I believe the Lord wants me to tell you is listen, don't listen to the critics. When movies come out, we know that the critics like to just watch and, and then they just pick it apart a lot of times. And sometimes we may not want to go see that film because Siskel and Ebert didn't give it two thumbs up. Or because the lady on E didn't, uh, what's her name, Muriel Marunos or whatever at the gas station pumps, you know, you're getting gas. She's at every gas station in America telling you about the movies and fashions and all that stuff. Just like in Jesus' town, we just talked about it. When God starts to use you, people will go out of their way to deflate your balloon. They just will. Like my dad used to say, the dogs may bark, but the parade's still got to go on. If you're going to do something for God, you're going to have to learn how to get some thick skin. (laughs) I hate to say it like that, but you do. There's a show that my wife and my son Josiah, we we binged watched this summer, an old show, old Disney show, maybe you've heard of it, called Even Stevens. I mean, know that show, the Shia LaBeouf, and, and that show is hilarious. And there's an episode, this is kids in junior high school. There's an episode where they get a new principal, and this new principal is trying to bring law and order into the school. So he breaks little signs for all the kids to wear, and they say stuff like eye roller, mouth breather, always late. <laughs> and so you go down the hall, and all these kids are wearing these signs, and they can't take them off while they're at school. So no longer are they known by, by, by uh, Lewis or or whatever their names are, they're known by eye roller, or talkbacker, or always late, or mouth roller. But listen, let me tell you, how many have realized that society can label you? How many realize that your family can label you? I know we've got some people that we talk about in our family, and you do something once, but whew, you're the spiller for life. <laughs> you're always late for life. How many know that we can, everybody could do that? We understand how that could go. But let me just tell you this morning, don't let that family label you. Don't let society label you. They'll say, you're just like your uncle so-and-so. He never amounted to nothing and neither are you. They may say, you're just like your aunt so-and-so. They're just like him. And you're not going to do anything. You better watch that. And the list can go on and go on. But I'm here to tell you that the Bible, Jesus is saying, do not listen to the critics of your life. 
Listen, let me tell you, don't let society put you in a bucket. You are more than your skin tone. You are more than your education or the lack thereof. You are more than your singleness. You are more than than your marriedness. You are more than what you might try to put society. If you are in Jesus, the Bible says you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation set forth to proclaim the praises of God. Know who you are. Know who you are in Jesus. You might drive a Jaguar or a Jalopy, but you're still a child of God. Hold your head up high. Because you know one day it's going to break forth. I have an uncle, my dear uncle Jimmy, who was late. He was a mentor in my life, a man of God. We've talked about him many times here. I remember his story. He used to tell you his story. He was, he was brought up and he worked. He had three kids and, and starting a young family, broke all the time. Driving jalopies, duct tape, taillights, the whole thing. Doors that won't shut. You know what I'm talking about. How many, know, how many have a car like that? I know about that. And he would tell you the story that he was working for a little, little company called Taylor Tube. Little welding company. And he had the opportunity back, way back when, to join Ford Motor Company. But in the, like I was talking about the places of familiar, he didn't know what to do because he'd already been at this place for years. He got seniority. He had a routine, got his coffee, but he was making very little money for his family. And this opportunity was going to co- it was going to be a risk. He didn't know if he could maintain the job. Sometimes those people in the big three do that. They get hired and fired. And, and he had all, I remember the turmoil. I remember our families met. My dad was counseling him. And, and I remember all that. And then, well, he decided that he was going to take that job at Ford Motor Company. And let me tell you, the Lord blessed that man through that job. And I, years later, man wearing gold, Rolex and just pulling up in a brand new car the Lord had blessed that man and I remember talking to him he said you know Steve the Lord had to do a work in me because when I was poor and he said I have to treat myself to say it when I was poor he said there came a point where the Lord told me to stop going to Kmart I said what he said I'm not above Kmart I'll still shop there now but there was a season of my life when the Lord was saying you are more than your income quit looking down upon yourself like you're lesser than he said the Lord began to deal with me to go to stores at the mall and buy style clothes the lord began to show me that i needed to 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 understand that the lord is trying to bless me but it had to come through my mindset first see in order for us for the lord to get us physically where we need to go he has to get our mindset where we need to go and he began to talk to me how he said the lord had to show me that 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 i I can afford things now and, and and you don't have to always go to the to the bottom bargain basement of everything just off the bat he said i had to learn how to change my mentality to understand what god is doing in my life And the last thing is this, the movie's not over until the script ends. You see, we don't talk about the script a whole lot, but we're going to talk about it. There's one last scripture in Judges chapter 8. He says this, and when Gideon came to the Jordan, he and 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted, but still in pursuit. Exhausted. Somebody needs to write that down. Exhausted, but still in pursuit. Who am I talking to today? You're exhausted, but you're still in pursuit. You come to church with a lump in your throat, and you're exhausted, but you're still here. You're, look, you're sick and tired of looking at everybody else get that new car, everybody else get that new house, everybody else get married, everybody else having that kid doing something, and here you are feeling sorry for yourself because of your sir. The Lord is saying it's time that to move out of that place. I know you're exhausted, but still pursue, he says the Lord. Now listen. We don't talk about the script a lot of times in a movie. We have a movie where we have the director who's there calling the shots. We can name very famous directors. We have producers that line up all the material. But you know, it all starts with a boring, plain, black and white stack of paper called a script. And if the movie can have the best director in the world, the best producer in the world, if it doesn't have a good quality script, it ain't worth two dimes. We're going to talk about that. 
But in this scripture, he says, they're exhausted but still pursuing. My mind, this time of year is very special to me because all four of my children have birthdays in September to October. It's very special to me. And I was remembering when in October 2005 when my little girl was born. And I remember that we were, we, the church was newly planted. We were, the Lord was blessing us. We wanted to have a missions convention. We brought in a, a guest speaker from out of town. We bought matching suits. We looked like the temptations up here. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, we, we rented a facility that was off-site. This was big-time stuff for us. We hadn't done anything like that. And my wife was nine months pregnant, and we're learning all this new song, cover the air. We're doing all this stuff and matching suits, and we go off-site. And then when the Friday night session hit, and we're doing worship. My wife's over in a corner doing this. Now, people thought she was catching the Holy Ghost. She wasn't catching the Holy Ghost. <laughs> So my wife's a trooper. She was singing, <laughs> and right after worship, she was downstairs, and some of the church mothers came and said, honey, uh, you're getting ready to have this baby. Oh, no, I'll be good. we got to get through the weekend, because when you're a pioneer in a church, it takes your whole life. It just does. I know we have balance, and we learn some stuff, but that's where we were. <laughs> and so Friday night came home, and they subsided, and we, you know, it's like, and I still had to work the next morning. And, and so I had already been up since 4 o'clock that day, and so we, my, we get home, and, honey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay, but they're still there, and I did what every good man of God would do. I said, I'm going to bed. You just let me know what happens. And so I went, and I laid in the bed, and then uh, I'm sleeping, and then all of a sudden, about 11.30, I hear, Poof, the door opens, and light comes in, and Gabriel's there. It's time. I said, okay, it's time for what? I don't know if there was somebody robbing the house. I'm all in my sleep. I don't know what's going on. I got no sleep. So we get in the hospital. We drive 40 minutes or to the car. We drive 40 minutes to the hospital because we had moved when, when, during the pregnancy. And we get to the middle of the night, the hospital, and my wife's there all night giving, you know, labor. And, and finally the baby comes in the middle of the night, my beautiful baby girl with tons of red hair. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I got a service to do this evening off-site with a guest speaker and new songs and other. So I, I grab, I go home and I grab a suit because we suited up in those days. Grab my, my shoes, grab everything, and I'm racing to the hospital. It's probably 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm running down the halls. How many know that at night hospitals have 17 miles of hallways that you got to go through? And there's only one door of the emergency room, and it's across the hospital from the labor and delivery room. So I'm carrying all my stuff, and I got my garment bag, and I got all my stuff. I get up there. I sleep in the little couch for about a half hour. The morning comes, I try to get my stuff together, go get my film developed, because I wanted to show pictures, and we had the cameras back in those days. So I had to find a Walgreens and drop off my disposable camera and do all that stuff. So, I, so I'm trying to get my clothes together for service, and it's still early in the morning, and, and I look, and I realize I had no pants. And so I start backtracking my, I, I start backtracking through the hospital. I, I put something on. <laughs> and I'm going, and, and, and you know, when you're in the hospital, I'm looking and I'm going down hallways, sleep deprived. I'm exhausted. And I, and you, when someone comes and says, sir, can I help you? You can't tell them I'm looking for my pants. Cause they're gonna say, we got a special room for people like you up on the fifth floor. So I'm going, I'm going down, I backtrack all 37 miles of hallway to my car. Still no pants. So I drive all the way back to my house to find some pants, all the way to the service, and, and I'm laying down in between announcements. I'm trying to get some kind of sleep. We gotta lead worship, we're off site, we're off campus, we got all these new people, you got all this pressure on you, and I'm showing pictures of my baby girl. I have had three hours of sleep in the last forty eight hours. And, and and to find out after that night, two days later we leave the hospital, there's my pants in the hospital room wrapped up in my wife's blanket. What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is that sometimes, listen, the hardest trials come in the moments right before your victory. Yes, I was exhausted, but I had a new child to celebrate. I had a wife to take care of. I had a ministry to help run. When you're exhausted, you still got to pursue. Listen, don't quit. God is still working. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Amen? 
Come on, stand to your feet this morning. The last thing I want to share with you as the worship team comes is that we have no problem talking about God being the alpha, right? God is the founder of all things. He is the creator of all things. But I think sometimes we forget that he is also the omega. Yes, God is the beginning. God is the author. God is the creator. He's the one that breathed life into Adam. But God is also the omega. What is omega? It is the ending. Can I tell you that God is the one who wrote your script? And it ain't over until God says it's over. Your life is doesn't have to go like uncle so-and-so. You're more than that. Your life doesn't have to go like aunt so-and-so. You're more than that. You might not have a degree. You're more than that in Jesus. When when Jesus was hanging on the cross, this is very powerful, listen. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, it wasn't up to Judas to say it was over. It wasn't up to Herod and Pilate throwing a flag on the play, calling a timeout. It wasn't even up to that cruel cross. It was only over. When the bread of life, the word of God, the same voice that spoke in Genesis over the darkness said prophetic, prophetically and prominently, it is finished. And then it was over. The Lord wants somebody here to know. I've said all that to say this. Your life isn't over. It's just to be continued. There's more to come if you believe it. Once you bow your heads, close your eyes with me just for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for speaking. We know that you're moving, Lord. We move 10 things, but Lord, you move 10,000 things. In 1977, you saved my Uncle Billy, who then came to Detroit in 1978 to save, to witness to my father, who went to a church under Earl Brown in the 1980s, who went on the evangelistic field in the 1990s, who came to a church in Wyandotte in 2002, who found a church in Belleville that had lost its pastor, and came 20 years later to be in this pulpit preaching this message. You need to understand, friend, that God is moving things out of your way. You just got to give Him time, but you have to respond. Have you been here long enough? Yes or no? Do you know that there's more to your story? Yes or no? Has the critics tried to put you in a box and put you in a statistic and you're tired of it? Yes or no? Have you felt like this is the end of your story? Yes or no? Listen, if you answered yes to any of those, I'm going to encourage you to come down to the front while we worship. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen